To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody liked Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it in the ass. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? Why the f*** is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me? A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. Parts Studio. Find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Facebook.com slash peace. Uh, peace. Peace. POS sarcasm. You can hit me up on minds at positive sarcasm. Gab AI. I keep forgetting to post on there. Sorry, extremists. Don't know what to tell you, but I am on there. If you want to find me on there, that's totally cool. Twitter? No. I own Twitter stock, but that's about it. Uh, you can email me directly, uh, positive sarcasm at outlook.com, or if you prefer to go through my website, positivesarcasm.com, go to the contact section and hit me up there. Questions, concerns, comments, posing music for your bodybuilders, go ahead, hit me up there. You want to check out my other channels, Positive Sarcasm, the original concept channel, or you can go to Positive Sarcasm Reactions if you're just into that sort of thing. That being said, let's jump into the t- 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 today's topics. Coffee update, uh, the new Instagram segment. Uh, we got to talk about the, oh, I haven't even pulled that up yet. I need to go ahead and grab that before it's too late. Um, it's about the tran ban, <laughs> the tra- tran ban, the trans ban. Excuse me. I want to word that politely. There it is. There's the link. Almost forgot to put that up. Uh, courtesy of the epoch times. Let me go ahead and get rid of that. Get that out of here. I don't want to have that disturbing bell. Uh, oh no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so as you guys know, if you haven't been, uh, if you're looking for ways to save money, I have a solution. I've talked about how I went from um, grinding my own coffee to ultimately roasting my own coffee. And I've been um, trying coffees from all over the world and all different types of blends. And I haven't really tried to cheap out much. But at the end of the day, if you are roasting your own coffee, you will, especially right now, even with inflation, um, or the idea of, or the excuse of inflation, you will save yourself money. It, does it take you a little extra time? Uh, yes, but at the end of the day, no. But I'll, I'll explain. Roasting coffee can take no more than 18 to 25 minutes, 30 at the very most, depending upon your blend, your brew speeds. That being said, if you're spending f- 35 the 30 to $40, uh, you're getting a five-pound bag of coffee. Five pounds of fresh green coffee from all over the world. You get to pick, of course, which part of the world it comes from. That being said, um, if you are willing to spend once a week brewing, I'd say, eight ounces of coffee, you will get yourself about six and a half ounces, six and a half to seven ounces of delicious freshly brewed, uh, freshly roasted beans that you can roast all for yourself. Now, think about it. How much per cup are you getting versus if you were to buy a Keurig, buy the beans at the store, or just any step above that? The only the, 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 There's only one cheaper way to actually do this is to buy like a 100-pound bag 
or to own your own coffee farm. That's it. So this is about as cheap as you can get without sacrificing, not only not sacrificing flavor, but improving upon the experience that you have for coffee. That being said, you do require a coffee roaster. There are many different types, but you can get them relatively inexpensive. And when I say that, I actually mean that. You can buy them as cheaply as like $30 to $40. You can go, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, what have you. But they do roast very well. Some vary depending upon the quality. Um, but overall, a simple popcorn roaster will do the trick and it will last you a relatively long time. As long as the coil continues to stay hot, it will roast you a very good cup of morning brew. And you can do it not just one cup at a time, but eight ounces at a time. Hell, you can even go 10 ounces. If, if It'll take a little bit longer to roast that 10 ounces, but you'll definitely get your money's worth more than you realize. Now, where am I getting my coffee right now? Well, I've tried multiple different blends. There was one that I wasn't a huge fan of, but maybe it was because I just wasn't roasting it correctly. That being said, Tanzania Pea Berry. This is the one I actually want to talk about as my intro. This is the one I'm currently tasting right now. And I have to admit, when it comes to pea berry coffee, pea berry looks a little different coming out of the bag. And, of course, how it comes when it's already done being roasted. It doesn't, at least in my experience, it doesn't expand like Colombian roasts or, ooh, what's that one, Sumatra blend or whatever. It, it looks a little different when it's done. But it tastes no different as far as the quality of what you're getting. It tastes, it's coffee all right, don't get me wrong. It just looks a little different. And it, and it when you take it from whole bean and turn it into a grind, it's no more, it's it's just as easy as all the ones. There's just no difference in it. But it just happens to be from Tanzania. Let me give you some coffee, some history, uh, courtesy of Coffee Affections. Now, uh, let me go ahead and pop that up on the screen for you. It's a pea berry coffee. It's a rare type of coffee bean that some claim is tastier than regular coffee. Regular coffee, maybe that means like Robusto, which is a very jittery blend of coffee. Um, with countries striving to have the best pea berry coffee in the world, uh, one of the biggest leaders, Tanzania, is high on the list of pea berry coffee producers. And yet, I'm yawning. Tanzania pea berry coffee is high in demand and for good reason. It got a distinct taste that can only come from their coffee beans. All about Tanzania pea uh, bay berry coffee. Let's discover more about it, shall we? Cheers. Tanzania pea berry coffee comes from Tanzania. Shocker. A country in East Africa that produces coffee as its number one crop export. The country grows and produces thousands of metric tons of coffee a year. But pea berry coffee is different than regular coffee. Tanzania pea berry coffee is a rare specialty of the country, and the demand is overwhelming, with some coffee enthusiasts, enthusiasts saying it's some of the best pea berry coffee in the world. How is it processed? Most Tanzania pea berry coffee farmers and producers use the wet method of processing the beans, which is true about regular coffee beans as well. The wet hull method of processing coffee is simply using water to remove the beans from the cherries, but it's important to keep in mind that methods change the flavor. Plenty of coffee bean brands process their coffee using the wet method, but the dry method is just as popular. Regardless of that, most Tanzania pea berry coffee uses a natural process to separate the beans from the cherries. Flavor Profile well known for its pea berry coffee, Tanzania is, each region having its own unique version of offer to offer. It has a distinct and unique flavor profile, which notes of chocolate, wine, citrus, and tart fruit. Tart 
burnt. It's more acidic than regular coffee, especially compared to other African coffee beans. It's also a medium light in body and has a sweet taste due to its natural sweetness to the pea berry beans usually have. Many coffee enthusiasts say that it simply tastes brighter and stronger in flavor. Yet, it's not as bitter as traditional coffee beans. Now, let me be the judge of that. Slightly acidic, mostly bright, doesn't overwhelm your palate. Nice. Um, what is Peaberry coffee? It's a type of coffee that comes from a rare type of coffee bean, which differs from a regular coffee bean. Regular versus Peaberry coffee. Okay, here we go. Ooh, look at that picture. Look at that. That's exactly what my coffee beans look like after I'm done roasting them. Exactly like. Coffee beans from, come from coffee cherries, the fruit that coffee farmers harvest and process. Inside the coffee cherries, there are normally two coffee seeds. Beans that are around with the flat edge, with a flat edge. Once in a great while, a coffee cherry will contain one bean. Peaberry beans are rounded with almost no flat edge, usually encasing the entire coffee cherry. Some peaberry beans have a pronounced split down the middle. Around 4-6% to 6 of the coffee cherries contain only one bean. So peaberry coffees are rare in that aspect. However, they're found around the world. And in each country's peaberry coffee tastes different due to growing and processing methods. How different is the flavor? Peaberry coffee is famed for its brightness and complex flavor profile with floral and fruity, fruity notes, just like me, that are more intense than regular coffee beans. It's rare and costly. Not that costly. But some coffee drinkers swear that peaberry coffee is the best beans in the world. It's a hot topic of debate, not including Roe vs. Wade, in the coffee world since... Sorry, I was too late on that joke. Um, since it's peaberry beans are mostly hype. Should have done it faster. As well as the cost of buying these beans, uh, these rare beans. Regardless of just another coffee fad, trying a peaberry coffee at least once can still be a fun experience. Let's not get carried away. How to brew Tanzania Peaberry Coffee. Mm. There are a few ways to brew Tanzania Peaberry Coffee, but each brewing method will bring out a different aspects of it. Oh, oh. I'm listening. Pour over brewing. Tanzania Peaberry Coffee will bring out the acidity of it, so this method is the best for light and medium roasts. The pour over method is easy to do as long as you have the right setup. It's more work than standard coffee maker. Grind your peaberry coffee fresh before you brew it for the best results. Drip brew. The drip brew coffee makers will also bring out the acidity of peaberry coffee, but it might dull the flavor of a light roast. I can agree with that. This is the best method for medium roast Tanzania peaberry coffee, especially as it's closer to a dark roast than light. It's also the easiest method, which is convenient when you're making coffee in the morning. French press. For medium and dark roasts, the French press will extract the natural sweetness and depth of the flavor that Tanzania Peaberry Coffee has. The French press method has a light, slight learning curve, but the taste of the French press coffee is incredible when done correctly. You can also use your French press to make cold brewed Tanzania Peaberry Coffee, which is less acidic and bitter than traditional iced coffees. Now, which way do I use? Obviously, I'm a big fan. There we go. Of the French press method. Method, excuse me. Conclusion. Tanzanera Peaberry Coffee is one of the most popular Peaberry Coffees, which is a unique type of coffee bean. While Peaberry Coffee itself might be all hype, Tanzania's 
Peaberry Coffee is one of the best in the world. If you've never tried this style of coffee, Tanzania's version of it at the top of the list is a try. Is at the top of the list of... Is at, Tanzania's version of it is at the top of the list to try. There we go. Whew, big words. It's got incredible flavor and aroma, but the price tag, the price per bag might stop you. If you have a chance to, give Tanzania Peaberry Coffee a try to see if it's worth the price. To me, it's worth the price because I'm brewing it and roasting it from scratch. So I can justify the price because for me, it's no big deal. Mm. And even if I was just roasting cheap beans, it's still cheaper for me, still cheaper for me to roast any in any capacity, whatever I buy. Because if I'm buying a 10 ounce bag at the store, it's gonna cost me between eight and $12, right Chase? Hey, Chase, right? Right, moving on. So that is something to consider. Um, now, how often do I go through a, a, a Tanzanian or how much, how often do I go through five pounds? It takes me a month or so to go through an entire five pound bag. And the thing is, is I also make coffee for others, as you know. So um, approximately 10 ounces. So if you roast eight ounces, it roasting eight ounces becomes about six to, six to seven ounces of actual roasted coffee. So you do lose an ounce in the process. Um, overall, 10 ounces can get put in a bag and given to others. Um, but it does take me a few weeks, if not an entire month, or even more than that, because I drink coffee every single morning. Uh, but just one scoop now. But it does take me it does take me a while to go through an entire bag. Whereas if you're buying just a bag at the store of 10 ounces, I'm getting five pounds, believe me. And you're spending 10 to $12, uh, or eight to 12, let's just be honest, on a bag of coffee, maybe six ninety nine if you're buying that New England farmer's whatever. Um, you still can't keep up with the price that I'm paying per ounce, not even close. So it takes me an absolute while. And if you're buying four bags at 10 ounces, that's 40 ounces. You're at, you're at 30, between 35 and $50. And at, at 40 ounces, you're just, you're just getting into, you're now getting into the territory of what I'm spending on a five pound bag of coffee, 16 ounces to a pound minus one ounce. Um, it's 15 ounces. So, you got, I mean, it's definitely worth considering. It's one of those things. If, if you're, you know, if you, if you take time to fold your laundry, you can take time to roast your own beans. So that being said, I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to give you guys an update uh, of what I was doing or what was going on in my coffee world. Cause it is very important to me. It helps me start my day. It helps me get through this podcast. It helps me get through boring conversations. I did have some aroma joes uh, earlier this afternoon. That was delish. Um, our new segment on Instagram, there is some interesting stuff. Um, I think employee morale is definitely at an all-time low when it comes to working in retail. And uh, I, caught, employees. I caught wind of um, of one of these. Uh, there's a an Instagram account called Employee Tears. And there was one which was absolutely fantastic uh, regarding a woman who was smelling uh, uh, fabric softeners at the store, probably like Walmart or something. And the response she got from the employee, apparently, from uh, was uh, less than stellar. So let's go ahead and just get that up there. Oh, where's it going? Some of these different laundry detergents, and I told him, sorry about that, hopefully it was all right. I was trying to 
find uh, just a, a different smell, you know, one that I liked. And that motherfucker just looked me dead in my eye, told me he didn't give a fuck what I did, that I could burn this whole fucking store down with him in it and he wouldn't care. So, damn. One of the employees here. Ah! Burn this whole fucking store down with him in it and he wouldn't care. Damn. She's cute. Um, yeah, but it, it, needless to say, employee morale is at all-time low. Her delivery, first of all, her delivery of the comment is that is is pretty good. I'd say like a 7 out of 10. She's got that nice, cute southern draw. She without really uh, changing the tone of her voice all that much, she was able to, to deliver the punchline. Very, very monotone, very dry, but um, her accent and the way she delivers the line from the employee is absolutely brilliant. So, 7 out of 10 on that Instagrammer. Now, we got one more. Um, this is actually from Dana White. Dana White, if you don't know him, he is the... Uh, uh, the president of the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship, and uh, this is, this this was uh, um, this brought back some memories. So let's go ahead and get after this one. See headquarters, and today we'll be trying ramen lasagna. Start with half a block of uncooked ramen <laughs> in an oven-safe pan. Layer in tomato sauce, ricotta, and cooked sausage. Add another layer of ramen, tomato sauce, and shredded mozzarella, and bake it in the oven. All right, everybody, here we go. Ramen lasagna. Oh, the second bite! Awesome. Absolute winner. What's up, everybody? It's fucking Friday here. Fucking Friday! Um... So, we had a, uh, me and a, a roommate of mine, or, yeah. We had, like, this place we nicknamed Gainesville. It was back in the day um, when I was still doing com uh, competitive uh, fitness. And um, we would, after the shows were over, we made the most ridiculous stuff in the kitchen. Like, one day he came home, and I had made, like, these meat pies in, like, a cupcake pan. And, I mean, the most ridiculous shit, just taking croissant dough, essentially taking croissant dough, crumpling it all up in a ball, crumpling it all up in a ball, and then stretching it out. Get out of here, Dana. Stretching it all out in a ball, and then basically packing it with meat and potatoes and carrots and just like this weird gravy that I don't even remember how I made this shit. And then closing it all up like dim sum and then tossing it in this cupcake pan in the oven. Um... I mean, it was, it was just, you know, all the stuff I had left over in the fridge. I put it together and it was absolutely, it was delightful. But that's just one of many things that we did. We did, uh, we did macaroni, baked macaroni and cheese in a croissant. Uh, we did, I did, um, what else did I do? I did like cashew butter. I even tried putting amaretto in, in almond butter. That didn't work out so well. I did um, graveyard s'mores or graveyard s'more cupcakes where I put like pieces of chocolate or whatever or graham crackers in like a cup, a chocolate cupcake and then baked it in the oven. And it, the way it came out, it did look like little tombstones. Um, I tried like strawberry lemonade, friggin' uh, uh, a bunt cakes. It, it just, the weirdest of shit 
Uh, I even tried, um, it was spaghetti and uh, sweet potato cream sauce, which was actually really, really good. So if you want to try something like that, what you need to do is you need to take, obviously, sweet potato. Then you need to blend that up. You need to add butter and olive oil, and then maybe like a little bit of garlic and cinnamon or something like that. And then the, But the most important thing is making sure you have enough butter so when it melts, it, the, the yam or the sweet potato becomes very creamy. And then what you can do is you can pour that over your sauce. Now, if you think that sounds gross, just remember there are a lot of restaurants out there that actually make like sweet potato ravioli or pumpkin ravioli. So this theme is not anything different than what I've tried. I just took it with a sweet potato and, and instead of a pumpkin, which is just as sweet, and basically just made a cream sauce out of it. And it is quite delightful, especially if you're not looking for a Parmesan or you're not looking for a white sauce. You're looking for something a little different. And for me, this is definitely a go-to. Hell, I even think it would go good with like cheddar, cheddar broccoli rice if you add a little bit of that sweet potato in there. But this is something I would do all the time. I would experiment with, especially in the off-season when I was trying to get really, really fucking fat. Um, that would be something that I would absolutely uh, try. I'd try anything. Um, and it, some, some of the results did not work out very well. I'll be perfectly honest with you, but most of them pretty, pretty solid performance is when I started playing with like protein and coconut powder is when shit went sideways. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of, Oh, I can make a healthy cake. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't even try. If you want to make a cake, make it fatty, except for like protein cheesecake. Protein cheesecake was actually something I could per se, pull off. Um, but at the end of the day, a regular cheesecake's really, really good. But that was one thing that we actually, we went after. Uh, the, the creativity that came out of there um, was phenomenal. Hell, I even tried pre-workout ice cubes. So basically, I just, I go home, instead of like stirring up some, uh, some pre-workout in a bottle of water, I would just go to the freezer, pop out a couple cubes, ice cubes of pre-workout, and throw them in my mouth, um, don't remember the results of that, but it was definitely something I tried. Um, that and like, it, so you put like, you take the ice cube, you add water, you say creatine and pre-workout to the, uh, to the ice cube water, then just leave it in the freezer. Now, what does that accomplish? I have no fucking idea. I don't even know why I tried it, but I know I did it. I mean, it technically works, but you're just, you now have to wait for it to melt. So that doesn't make any sense. Um. But that was definitely something I tried. But we tried all kinds of stuff with whatever we possibly could. And some of the results did, really did help with my overall method of cooking. And back then I was huge into watching uh, Frank Prisanzano on Instagram. He owns like Little Frankie's and uh, Supper NYC and Frank Restaurant, all New York restaurants. And so I was huge in watching him prepare his method or show off his method of cooking, which is still valid to this day, 100%. Uh, the idea of what can work and then what will work in reality as opposed to, you know, considering what you have available to you in your kitchen. So uh, that being said, let's go ahead. I wanted to get to a um, an article from the Epic Times, but everybody knows about it right now. And no, it's not Roe v. Wade. i not diving into that right now. Um, this one, though, I did want to get to because this is something that I've been keeping an eye on for quite some time. Uh, Leah Thomas, if you don't know, she I've talked about her. Uh, she is the, uh, the, the the trans swimmer who was um, kicking the shit out of um, out of all the other swimmers, and there was some less than stellar uh, 
Sorry, I'm just sending a text really quick. There we go. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. She was a man. She was swimming. She sucked as a male swimmer. Transitioned, supposedly, or identified as. And then she was blowing up all the female swimmers. Um, at that point, it grew a lot of controversy. There was a lot of, um, a lot of hoopla. There was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of this. There was a lot of that. Um, now, me personally, I think if you're a fucking dude and you get in a swimming pool with girls and you're robbing them of scholarships and trophies and, and uh, you know, sponsorships and scholarships, everything. You're getting in the way of the future that they're trying to create, their, their competitive spirit. That's the one thing. Most importantly, robbing women of their competitive spirit because this goes beyond just swimming, you know? It's like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry you sucked as a swimmer. Uh, but for you to go over to another to a female league and deprive them of, of their dreams of becoming because you did you stepped on the skate you stepped on the podium and you took medals and scholarships and all kinds of shit from other people it's not fucking fair I know life isn't fair but this is a different type of unfair well apparently um, now there is a caveat to this where if you are um, before the age of 12 you can if you have started transitioning you're exempt but at this point uh, a lot of, I my opinion uh, regarding d despite what Matt, Matt Walsh thinks although I'm kind of on board with what he says the idea of banning uh, transgender athletes from competing in women's sports well listen I want women to have their own sports I want because quite frank a lot of reasons especially biologically we don't have to go into them unless the uh, the article uh suggests it so swimming sw swimming's governing governing Barty bought Barty the uh FINA for international swimming approved new policies for transgender swimmers that will go into effect starting January excuse me June 20th in a PDF that was dropped on June 19th the International Swimming Federation said it would only allow biological male swimmers to compete in women's events if they have not experienced male puberty and have had puberty suppressed before the age of 12 they would also have to continuously maintain their testosterone levels in serum or plasma below 2.5 nmols about 72 percent of fina members voted in favor of the directive to restrict participant participation of transgender athletes in elite women's uh, competitions and create an open category for them the debate intensified after university of pennsylvania swimmer leah thomas who i just mentioned a biological male who publicly identifies as a female became the first transgender NCAA champion in women's division one history women's division one the best of the best in college swimming uh, after history after winning the women's 500 yard freestyle earlier this year the win drew significant backlash from female swimmers activists and other athletes including Thomas's teammates in an interview with Sports Illustrated last month Thomas express, expressed the intention to seek a spot on the national women's swimming team before the 2024 Olympics the new FINA rule issued on June 19th would block Thomas's participation the new eligibility policy for FINA backed competitors competition says that biological male athletes are eligible to compete in women's sports only if quote they can establish to fina's comfortable satisfaction that they have not experienced any part of the male puberty beyond tanner stage two or puberty or before age 12 which is ever whichever is later 
The governing body added that biological women who claim to be men can fully complete compete. Biological wait. The governing body added that biological women who claim to be men can fully compete in men's swimming events. Good luck. The organization heard from several doctors and scientists who argued that puberty gives a clear physical advantage to males over females. Quote, by 14 years or older, the difference between boys and girls is substantial. That's due to the advantages experienced due to the uh, physiological adaptations in testosterone and the possession of the Y chromosome, unquote. Physiologist uh, Dr. Sandra Hunter said, some of these, quote, some of these physical advantages are structural in origin, such as height, limb length, heart size, lung size, and they will be retained even with the suppression or reduction of testosterone that occurs in the transition from male to female. FINA president Hussein al Musalam, in a, uh, in a statement that the governing body has to protect competitive fairness at our events, especially the women's category at FINA competitions. Once again, FINA, F-I-N-A. He added that it is newly created open category will mean that everybody has the opportunity to compete at an elite level. Okay, fine. This has not been done before, so FINA will need to lead the way. I want all athletes to feel included in being able to develop ideas during this process, he said. Sharon Davis, who won a swimming who won a swimming silver medal at the 1980 Olympics, welcomed the decision. Quote, I can't tell you how proud I am of my sport, FINA, and the FINA president for doing the science. Asking the athletes, coaches, and standing up for fair sport for females, Davis said, adding that fairness is the cornerstone of the sport. The NCAA said in January that it would enable a sport-by-sport -sport approach to transgender participation or participation by athletes who claim to be transgender and doesn't match their biological sex. So, it has been argued that, um, this is by Jack Phillips of the Epic Times, by the way. So, there is a lot of speculation where, um, actually, let's go ahead and look this up. So, let's go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google something. Or, I'm going to, not Google, I'm going to duck, duck, go something. Women's soccer team loses to high school men's. Here we go. This is from many, many years ago. But it's just an example of why FINA made this decision. This was in 2017 by CBS. Uh, I'll fix it next time. FC Dallas under 15... Uh, FC Dallas under 15 boys squad beat the u.s national women's national team in a scrimmage the match was in preparations for thursday's friendly versus russia in preparation for two upcoming friendlies against russia the u.s women's national team played the fc dallas u under 15 boys academy team on sunday and fell five to two this friendly came as the u.s looked to tune up before taking on russia on thursday night in a friendly just last month, the U.S. lost the She Believes Cup, winning the first game over Germany 1-0 before losing to England 1-0 and France 3-0. Of course, this match, this match against the academy team was very informal and should not be a major cause for alarm. The U.S. surely wasn't going all out, with being the main goal being to get some minutes in the pitch, build chemistry when it comes to moving the ball around, improve defense, and shape getting ready for Russia. Okay. Uh, the game, however, will serve as a great anecdote for kids on the FC Dallas squad to tell their grandchildren about. It also speaks highly uh, of the level of academy development MLS are doing these days. Okay. Um, is it really – the question is, is it really, like, all that informal? Women's – let's do this. Let's do women's basketball 
team losing to high school men's. Let's do this one. The, okay, here's another one. Women's, the WNBA male practice squad loses to women all the time. GRCC women's basketball team loses to St. Clair County. Could the, the team, uh, the USA Dream Team, beat the good blah, blah, blah? Okay. Well, I don't think it's funny. Well, okay, maybe I do think it's funny. Uh, okay, truth or fiction? All right, let's find out. Let's hopefully, okay. Uh, was the U.S. women's national team defeated by teenage boys? That's a shocker match. The claim uh, rating decontextualized. So they say it's decontextualized because it was a friendly match. It was like a warmer upper. The soccer team after the U.S. Da, 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 uh, believes all female women deserve No. You are you're, you're you are paid competitors, and it, it's your warm up. I think after the first couple goals that uh, the high school boys are making on you, you'd probably start to tune up and become more of a teammate, become more of a team, and start rocking the boys. But I think, I think, no, there is some truth to that. I mean, you're warming up for a big event. You think you'd, if you lose to a high school boys team, a high school boys team, or not even high school, under 15, You'd think you'd do a better job of warming up. You'd think that, well, I mean, imagine they lose to, if they're just fucking around and they lose to a, uh, uh, an under 15 team, five to two, imagine if they lose to a high school team uh, or 17, 18 year olds or college. They'd get their ass hammered. But this isn't degrading. It's just, it's just a different, it's different biology, different lung capacity, different muscle growth, different structure, different bones. It's just different. But this is another reason why they need to get they need to have we need to protect their sports because it's their competitive it's their competitive spirit that matters their competitive spirit mat, here's the thing to have it is true they are uh, they are slower they're not as strong they don't have the lung capacity that's true but the competitive spirit is the same or at least close to it so you shouldn't you shouldn't degrade their competitive spirit, all right? We're not degrading it at all, but this is why their competitive spirit is important in a free market. It's important in leadership, in politics, in a lot of different factors. In the military, you need to have that competitive spirit. If you take away the competitive spirit of girls when they're in uh, 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 peewee or high school or college, if you take that away by having them face men who, quote, identify uh, going from Dennis to Denise – and they lose that competitive spirit, they're going to develop some very distorted personalities. And it's taking the competitive spirit away from them can hurt the job market. It can hurt a lot of things. So allowing them to have that, allow them, allowing them to excel in sports will allow them to excel possibly in other aspects of life, in business and in politics, in leadership roles in general. So protecting women's sports Letting them have their own sports, you don't compare the two. You don't compare the two because there is a legitimate difference. Now, let me see what this article is about. About uh, the WNBA's male practice squads. What does that mean? Uh, every professional. When was this done? Every professional and DI women's basketball team practices against men and has for years. Okay, uh, and men, fourteen men and women tossing up buckets, Uncasville, Connecticut. 
team's coaching staff. Predictably, one of the guys decides to flex with a dunk. There was so extra. Jordan stopped showing off. The laid-back atmosphere. I'd rather be playing here against the girls than out in the court or park or something. Well, okay, whatever. Uh, I just la Okay, this is a conversational piece. Which women playing at the highest levels of basketball have practiced against men for decades for reasons expressed in Jorgen's Braggadocious lineup. Okay. We need their athleticism and size so we can do battle with our women, so they can really battle with our women. Male practice squads, ubiquity in college and professional athletes, have long been a source of curious press occasionally. Okay. But ultimately, the coaches and players won out, believing that the best way to try to close basketball's gender gap is, in a sense, to ignore it. I... Finding men willing to do the same is its own challenge, especially for Connecticut, who do not play Miriam Major City. Uh, unsurprisingly, many of the men attending for the first time also practice with women in college, and there's a degree to which the self-selecting population of men who already understand just how good women can be, but that doesn't mean the first practice alongside the women's players isn't still a reality check. Uh, I think for them to even come to try to be a practice player, they already respect the game, says Tuck, but it can catch them off guard if they haven't played against high-level women, which is also true. Because you are a practice squad, so you are essentially bottom of the barrel when it comes to potential, you know. So that does it. Does it happen all the time? Yeah. Does it happen every time? No. Does it happen the majority of the time? No. Does it happen half the time? No. There's a legitimate difference. You need to accept it. It's really, really important that you do. We can't pretend like this doesn't fucking exist. And it's important, like, regarding Title IX and scholarships and all that other stuff. It's important to protect women's sports, okay? And quite frankly, women's sports is fun. It can be fun. Women's lacrosse is fun. Women's soccer was fun. Uh, uh, women's mixed martial arts is fun. It's fun to watch. It's exciting to watch. So we should protect that. We shouldn't have the Fallon Foxes or the Leah Thomases of the world going in there and out swimming and out fighting your sisters. It's not fucking cool. Uh, we are at 30, uh, 36 minutes. We're going to go ahead and close up shop with some Q&A like we always do. Uh, where the fuck did my... Oh, Great. Did I lose that again? I thought I was just getting into the groove of the spare parts studio here, and uh, I'm all of a sudden forgetting where the hell I freaking put all my articles. It's all right. I'm just going to my history. Should continue to upgrade. Blah, blah, blah. There we go. Good question. Unsafe hostage. This is it. I found it. Once again, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. This jacket is making me sweat, but we're going to power through it because we got 20 minutes left. So let's go ahead, pop it up at the screen, and let's get after dig.com's Q&A section. I do these just about every week unless I have a long-running article, in which case I suspend Q&A for the following week. Let me go ahead and get a sip of water. I need it. My buddy, my buddy Chase was with me all day, and he is pretty much passed out at this point. Here we go. Let's close up shop. Jacket by Ralph Lauren, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Oh, also, if you want to... Uh, Go, if you don't want to watch the podcast, but you want to listen to it, it's available everywhere. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, uh, Stitcher, you know, uh, Apple Podcast. Anywhere where, spot, where podcasts are downloadable in audio format, you can go ahead and get me there. But, of course, if you want to hit me up on the video, video is available on YouTube, and it's available on Rumble. First question of the day. Is the community garden I run 
an unsafe and hostile place for kids because there are bees in it. I'm not a parent, but would love to get the perspective of someone who is. I run a community garden in a suburban area outside of a major city. Local individuals and families get plots that they can use how they please, with a few exceptions. A new family with, a young, ch with young children recently acquired a plot and a conflict has arisen. Another plot in the garden features mainly lavender and other pollinator-friendly plants to help support bees. The parents in this family have been complaining about this plot, saying they are worried about their children being stung by the bees, which often have several buzzing around uh, that plot. I explained to them that this plot is well within our rules and w the women responsible for it for it is a long-time member of the community garden. They claimed I was making the garden an unsafe and hostile place for kids and have even taken to complaining on next door. As someone who isn't a parent, am I unreasonable for their to their concerns? This has never come up with other families who use the garden. Well, if this is... What is this? This is a... Okay, it's a community garden. Now, can bees be dangerous to people who have allergic reactions? Yes. If you are a qualified... There's a girl on uh, on Instagram. What the heck is her name? Oh, let me look her up. She's a, she's a beekeeper in Texas. Let me go ahead and find her really quick. I got to give her a quick shout out. She's freaking awesome. Uh, bees. Bees. There she is. Texas. Texas Bee Works. Uh, Erica Thompson, E-R-I-K-E-R-I-K-A Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. She's a beekeeper. Um, and she has an amazing Instagram that you have to follow. And, I mean, is she a Texan? Yes. Is she hot? Yes. Is she have a very ASMR voice? Yes, absolutely. Um, let me see. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know what? I should probably... Hold on. Let me see if I can find... Uh, let me go here to Instagram. Let me go to... I, yes, do I follow her? Of course I do. B... Let's see. There we go. Texas B works. Let's see. Here's a good one. Hi, I'm getting the bees. I'm from the city. Oh, no, no, that's not it. Uh, this one. This one. After I rescue a colony of bees, <laughs> I bring them home with me and I put them in my bee yard. I give them a few days to settle into their new home, then I open their hive to check on them. I make sure the queen is still in the clip and that the other bees are taking good care of her. If the bees have already started to put their hive back together, that means they are happy in their new home and I can release the queen from the clip. Sometimes she runs right out, and sometimes she has a royal court of attendant bees helping her out so that she can get back to doing her one very important job of laying eggs for the colony. After I rescue a colony of... So that is Erica Thompson of Texas Bee Works. Um, it's a very educational uh, Instagram channel, but... If it's somebody like in the case of um, this situation where the in the community garden where bees are flying all over the place, I mean, generally bees are not harmful. If you don't bother them, they don't bother you. And as far as acquiring a plot, she says here, um, the women responsible are for it a longtime members of the community garden. 
So most likely, if they are harvesting bees for, for honey or doing whatever, first of all, bees are a much needed resource to environments all over the world. So having them in the community garden, yeah, it seems a little off, but it's no different than having spiders or flies or mosquitoes in the garden. It's no different. It's just that, you know, bees will fuck your shit up if you piss them off. Um, now, as long as the bees are not creating a nuisance in the garden, I don't have an immediate issue with it. Would it get my attention? Yes. But if you don't feel your kids are safe there, don't bring your fucking kids. Now, it is a community garden, but why wouldn't the bees... I mean, first of all, are you going to complain if the bees uh, make their own hive at a tree nearby? I mean, it is a community garden, and maybe the, maybe the way they're stating this, they're making a bigger deal of it than... Well, first of all, if there's lavender there or there's other flowers, who the hell's going to pollinate the shit? So, as long as the bees are... Or the beekeepers are taking care of their plot at the community garden... I'm not going to step, I would not step in and cause a further stir than I would need to. So, uh, people are complaining. And first of all, if your kid's allergic to bees, don't fucking bring them there. Bring their little insulin spiky thingy, their adrenaline stick or whatever. And if they get stung, jab them. Or, I mean, with the new Roe v. Wade thingy, I mean, if you're in one of those, if you're in one of those red states and uh, you're looking to get rid of your kid post-birth, they just bring them to the company garden and uh, go go send them slamming right into a beehive. That should take care of the problem for you. Can I get my son's female baseball teammate transferred to another league because she's better than my son? My nine-year-old son plays baseball in a league for children 8 to 12. There are two, two divisions, both based on age. A few years ago, girls were allowed to play. Some people objected. This brings me to my problem. There is a girl on my son's team who is bigger and taller than most of the boys. She's an excellent athlete. She also happens to play the same position as my son, which means he doesn't get to play a lot. As a feminist, I have no issue with this girl playing, but can I suggest she be promoted to an older division because of her size advantage? She's nine years old, and this is eight to 12, so the answer would be no. The girl will be eligible because at that point, uh, first of all, there could be a 10-year-old guy a 10-year-old kid, a male kid, who could be fucking six foot two. You going to make him move to a different division? No, 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 no. That's not how it works. That At that point, uh, people, kids are malleable. They're all growing at different shapes and sizes. And it's, you know, it, it can be pretty interesting, especially at that age. But at that, it, between eight and 12, you can still intermingle the kids per se. Depending upon the league, it's the league's choice. I mean, once you start getting to like 13, 14, 15, then it's a little different um, because then puberty starts kicking in. And that's when there really starts to become, as we just talked about earlier, it starts to become a real difference between how the boys develop and how the girls develop. But if we're between the ages of 8 and 12 and this girl is getting towards the uh, the end of her rope and she's approaching that at that age 13 and she's still eligible, then she gets to play. You can't. You can suggest whatever you want. Doesn't mean you're going to get your way. And quite frankly, I'm not sure you should. Um, and your nine-year-old cell, your nine-year-old kid, your nine-year-old boy needs to suck it up and understand that at an early age that they're going to experience a lot of adversity growing up. That they're not going to get a participatory trophy, and you don't need to even the odds out so that he's more likely to win. Because what if your son was the, the the male who was really, really good in this scenario? Do you want somebody else telling him, oh, yeah, he could play in another league, in another division? No, that's not how it works. 
You suck it up. You deal with the losses. It's just like when Jay Cutler went against uh, uh, Ronnie Coleman. Jay Cutler got his ass whooped by Ronnie Coleman in bodybuilding for many, many years. But he eventually beat him. Eventually beat him. So at that point, you have to overcome adversity. Otherwise, you're just not cut out to be a champion or just a better individual overall. Experiencing loss or experiencing struggle is one of the keys to growing up and just humanity in general. Let's move on to the next one. We got any more sippy sipping here? Yeah, we do. Should I stand my ground about disinviting ooh relatives to my wedding after my fiance threw a rock at their child? Ooh. I'm engaged to a lovely, kind, sensitive woman, Adele, who happens to be related to a notorious but long-dead criminal. All her life, Adele has been teased about her last name and sometimes even ostracized when people find out that she's actually related, even though she and her family naturally condemn this man and his actions. At the barbecue, where we were first introduced our extended families, my 15-year-old cousin, Kim, held up a picture of a criminal on her phone and made a terrible joke, despite my whole family having been warned to not to mention him. In response, Adele threw a small rock at her, unintentionally heading her in the face and injuring one of her eyes. Uh-oh. In Adele's defense, she did not realize Kim was just 15 and assumed, reasonably due to her clothing and appearance, that she was at least several years older. Kim's parents raised holy hell, and the Adele and Adele has been charged with aggravated battery plus aggravated child abuse, which give has which given her personal trauma has been hugely upsetting to her. The district attorney, who knows my family, has agreed to drop the charges if Kim refuses to testify. My uncle Rob, my mom's sister husband, my sister's husband, and Kim's father told us he would agree to do so if Adele apologizes to her. And we agree to pay for 100% of her medical and cosmetic treatment, which is still uncertain and may run into the tens of thousands of dollars. Rob has a good job and I'm sure excellent family health insurance. Kim is also lamenting that her injury may prevent her from becoming a pilot, which she'd expressed only casual interest in before. Worse, my entire family has rallied around Kim. So in support of Adele and the vows we've already taken in spirit, I'm disinviting all of them from our wedding. In retaliation, Rob is now saying Kim will refuse to testify only if, in addition to her previous demands, I reinvite my side of the family. He and his wife and Kim will stay away. Uh, might be more inclined to cooperate if Kim was equally remorseful. But neither she nor her parents have apologized in the slightest, maintaining it was just a stupid joke and even insulting Adele is, a vi is violent due to her blood. I'm now torn because Adele is pushing hard to just apologize, pay the bills, and reinvite my family. Partly because she is mortified by her loss of temper and it's and the blow up it's become, and want to try to repair relationships relations with them. Partly because she wants a nice normal wedding with both sides present, but mainly because she is terrified of the slightest possibility of having to spend even a day in prison. If Kim testifies against her, should I go along with this? Even though it would A, cost us a lot of money, and B, feel like I'm giving a family carte blanche to abuse her, and by extension, disrespect me, thus falling, failing her at the very start of our marriage? Or should we stand firm, have our wedding without them, and trust that the good defense attorney, no sane judge, will sentence her to prison for reacting to such cruelty as she did? Uh, it's Adele's decision. Um... It's Adele's decision. If Adele wants to apologize, then she can apologize. Now, look, she threw a rock 
<sighs> Your adult fiance threw a rock at a kid. Your adult fiance threw a rock at a kid who looks like an adult. Your adult fiance accidentally damaged a person's eye and was didn't have didn't have cooler head and cooler heads did not prevail. It was an accident, but it was look, it was accidental but avoidable. Now, as far as um let's see testifying um and, you know pressing the charges i don't think that should happen as far as what adele wants to do apologize fair uh, that's for true now as far as paying for 100 of her medical and cosmetic treatment well you did fuck the kid up you did fuck the kid up now as far as what's reasonable that should be negotiated if they have good insurance absolutely Will it raise interest rates, uh, raise their premiums? Also possible. However, any money that comes out of the pocket for this surgery, any you know deductibles or whatever, um, Adele and you folks should probably cover. I don't think in any case, I mean, could they use their insurance? Yes. I don't think though, Kim's family should have to pull any money out of their pocket to pay for uh, medical and cosmetic treatments. I think Adele is an adult made a mistake, needs to pay for it. That's what we do as adults. We don't defer. You make a mistake, you own up to it, regardless of what shit came out of a 15-year-old's mouth. Um, inviting them to the wedding, it might be a good idea to just have the wedding and have your day. Now, as far as the wedding goes, the wedding is 100%, I've said this from time, I've said this from the beginning. A wedding is about the bride and, bride and groom and nobody else. It's not about the family. It's not about the friends. It's 100% about the bride and groom. And if the, if the bride and groom have issues with people at the wedding talking shit or starting problems or getting in fights, those people need to be thrown out of the wedding immediately. If they're causing problems at the wedding and hurting your beautiful day, they need to go. So if basically, let's say, for example, you're having this wedding, you're having a good time, and this dumb bitch Kim... Uh, starts saying stupid things at the wedding or starts causing other problems or other people start causing problems, they need to go. They need to be go. They need to be kicked out. Simple as that. Now, do you have to talk to these people after the wedding? No. Because you're only going to have one wedding. You don't have to talk to them after this. Uh, but an apology? Yes. Helping them out with the medical expenses? Yeah. Inviting them to the wedding? Might be a stretch, but if it keeps her out of prison... I'd do it because at this point, if she has, what is it? Charged with aggravated, aggravated battery and plus aggravated child abuse. Well, um, it could hurt her job. It could hurt her job. It could hurt her credit. It could hurt a whole bunch of things. So um, by making a mistake as an adult, you need to solve it as an adult. That being said, by agreeing to pay for some of the for a certain portion of the medical damages or covering all out-of-pocket expenses, apologizing, and of course inviting them to the wedding where they will behave properly needs to be in writing. So you agree to those three terms in in response, there will be no 
uh, pressing of any charges. That's the thing. And whatever happens after that is whatever happens after that. Now, in agreement, also, it needs to be in writing, if the uh, if Kim or anybody else in the family uh, causes problems at the weddings, at the wedding, they can still be asked to leave, for sure. We want to have a good wedding. You want to be able to afford it. But at the same time, you need to pony up a little bit of dough to make sure that those medical expenses that are out of pocket are 100% covered by you because you're an adult and you made a mistake. Okay? Okay. Good. Uh, we're at about 55 minutes. We're going to head and close up shop for uh, this week. Let me go ahead and get rid of the second monitor. Um, let me think here. Yeah, should be back next week for another podcast. Uh, and then if you want to go ahead and check out my other channels, feel free to do so. Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, Positive Sarcasm Reactions. Email me directly, Positive Sarcasm at Outlook.com. What did we cover this week? We covered coffee updates. We got the Instagram segment in. We did the transgender ban and we did the Q&A. Sweet. Not bad. Not bad for my s second week back. Not bad at all. Doing some doggy sitting tomorrow. Can't wait. Um, final thought. If uh, as far as like the economy and stuff and people looking to buy homes and sell homes, uh, just a quick final thought. And then I'm just going to go ahead and get out of here. If you need, if you're looking to sell your house, you, if you are, if you truly want to sell your house, you need to not um, hesitate. You need to sell right now and make sure you're in a position where you can entertain multiple bids on your house okay because i don't think it's going to get any better in the next three months and definitely not six months if you're looking to buy a house um quite personally if you're not going to stretch your budget i would wait i would wait i think hell is coming and it, this could severely level the market to such capacity that if you wanted to buy something, you could literally just pick a state and be like, I want to live here and I want to live in this county and this town by this grocery store. And I think you'll probably have to be able, you'll have the ability to do so. Will rents go up uh, over the next year? I'm pretty sure. Will energy prices skyrocket rocket in the next six months? I'm pretty fucking sure they will. Will the cost of, of goods go up? Most likely. Are people going to lose their jobs and be laid out? Laid off? Yes. Will there be civil unrest? Probably. If you survive it all and you plan accordingly, you should have you should have a little utopia for uh, laid out for yourself. Don't buy into the mob mentality. Just make sure you focus on protecting your money, your family, your interests, and your future, and nobody else's. And don't be throwing rocks at Kim, even though Kim's a bitch. She's 15. She doesn't know any better. So if you're going to buy... Wait, even though rent prices are most likely going to go up, make sure you're in a position or in an area where you're not commuting from too far away and that you can afford the rent. Simplify your lifestyle. Get ready for hell because after that, if we all don't, if we all don't die, it should be heaven. That being said, um, find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Email me directly positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Minds and Gab AI positive sarcasm. Uh, questions, concerns, comments. You guys know where to find me. Go to my website, positive sarcasm.com. Anything PS, you guys know where to hit me up. And that's pretty much it. We are done here. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And if you also have questions about coffee, you also know where you can hit me up as well. But thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all next week recorded here from the spare parts studio 
This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Fuck.